You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Osteoporosis, major health concern for women, but what about men? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me today is Dr. Murray Favis, Professor of Medicine and Director of the Bone Program at the University of Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. And we are talking about osteoporosis in men. And Dr. Favis, I guess when we come to treatment of osteopenia and osteoporosis, calcium is a cornerstone. Yes, it is. We now appreciate the important role of adequate calcium and adequate vitamin D. Deficiencies of either can lead to substantial bone loss. And so having an adequate calcium intake, having an adequate vitamin D intake prevents that bone loss and just removes those two uh, potential causes of osteoporosis in men. And with regard to calcium per se, if a person is not getting enough in their diet, I've often heard calcium citrate or calcium oxalate are the best ones to reach for. Yes, there, there's a number of calcium preparations now. There's several feet of uh, shelf space in all the drugstores mm-hmm. that contain uh, calcium preparations. Uh, 90% of them are calcium carbonate. Those are the, probably the less expensive of them. And it's important to remember that if you're going to use a calcium carbonate preparation, you want to have the patients take those with the meals. They'll get absorbed better uh, with the meals, particularly those people on proton pump inhibitors whose acid production is uh, really very, very low. They can still absorb calcium carbonates, but they need to take the the calcium carbonates with a meal. Uh, the calcium citrate can be taken with meals or between meals, and it's not dependent on gastric pH for uh, dissolution and absorption. Is there a limit to the amount of calcium that can be absorbed at a given time? Uh, we limit the dosing to 500 to 600 milligram intake uh, at a time, yes. And are there any other specific foods or medications that we should be aware of in terms of not co-administering or that would help with co-administration? We should get in the habit of adding up all the sources of calcium, whether it's from pills or in the foods, to add it up to uh, get a real idea of what their calcium intake is. And then we can increase it to our target for them using either foods or supplements, whatever suits the individual best. And the target I will often hear is 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams a day? Uh, Yes, uh, 1,000 milligrams a day uh, for men up to the age of 65 is a a very good target. Uh, Above 65, uh, the the requirements increase, and so 1,200 to 1,500 milligrams a day for those men above the age of 65 would be a better target. And in the special situation where there are calcium kidney stones, which uh, is a clue that we should be looking for the weakening of the bones. Do you have to modify the calcium intake? Yes, we do. We're walking a a narrow uh, line here, really, um, because we we don't want to restrict calcium. Calcium restriction will cause bone loss in these uh, men with hypercalcuria and kidney stones. On the other hand, we don't want to load them up with calcium because then their urine calcium will go quite high levels. So we usually shoot for about eight or 900 milligrams of calcium a day, preferably from foods rather than calcium tablets. And most, uh, because most of those men will be on a, a thiazide diuretic to reduce their urine calcium losses. And so they don't actually require as much calcium because they're uh, they're hanging on to the calcium. They're not losing as much in the urine. Oh, good advice. Very good practical advice. And now I'm hearing so much about vitamin D and Fosamax with D is coming out with uh, 5,800 now, I think, each week. And bring us up to date with vitamin D. To make a long story short, we in the United States uh, had 
they're not worried about vitamin D because we thought foods were fortified. It turns out only milk is fortified to any extent, and there's very little vitamin D in milk, only 100 units per 8 ounces of milk. So it's not a primary source of uh, vitamin D for most people. Plus, we're using more sunscreen, protect us from skin cancers, so we're eliminating the sun and the synthesis of vitamin D in the skin, which is the normal way of getting vitamin D. Uh, We're really now at a point where we're getting our vitamin D from multivitamin tablets and from the calcium supplements. And uh, the old practice of adding up the units and deciding, well, you're taking 400 units, that's good enough. There's a lot of variability in the population so that you can't really add up units and be absolutely certain that it's adequate. And so we're really encouraging uh, the measurement of vitamin D in the blood to determine if intake is adequate. And that's the 25-hydroxy? That's the 25-hydroxy-D, and the commercial laboratories can make that measurement for you and get it back within a few days. The uh, academic institutions with large uh, clinical labs can make that measurement for you as well. But uh, the key thing is to get the measurement and then uh, make the decision about how to replete with vitamin D. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and we are speaking with Dr. Murray Favis, professor of medicine and director of the Bone Program at the University of Chicago, and we are discussing prevention and treatment of osteoporosis in men. What role does exercise have? Exercise, along with adequate calcium and vitamin D, are the building blocks of any uh, management uh, program. But I think uh, we have to uh, be careful about what our expectations are with exercise. Virtually all the exercise studies that have been done have really failed to show any increases or significant increases in bone density, uh, people, men or women, with osteoporosis. But that doesn't mean that exercise isn't a good thing to do. And uh, And so uh, until we get the perfect exercise that will improve bone strength and increase bone mass, until we get there, I like to have men select exercises that they enjoy doing and that have some element of weight-bearing. If they're also interested in strengthening and weight strengthening or resistance exercises uh, using the machines, I think that's fine as well. Once there is some established osteopenia or osteoporosis, in women we used to think about estrogen. Does that ever come up these days? Well, it turns out that estrogen is important for bone health in both women and men, that uh, men who have osteoporosis tend to have lower serum estradiol levels, Hmm. as do women with osteoporosis. So, but the next obvious step, and that is to use estrogen as a treatment of, for bone health in men, uh, really has not been undertaken yet in any systematic way. And uh, I think we should really wait until that has been sorted out through the clinical trials before we uh, try to do that. Many years ago, there was a trial of estrogen in men uh, to prevent heart disease, and there was a very high rate of heart disease in those treated men. So we have to be very careful about estrogen administration in men. But there is a big story there, and we'll have to let it get sorted out by the investigators, I think. And uh, same for CIRMS, uh, for for Avista, Riloxifene? Yes. Along those lines, we probably will be seeing uh, some uh, what are called SARMs, or uh, selective androgen receptor modulators, being used for osteoporosis, uh, perhaps in the near future. Well, that's, I had not heard of, about that. That's interesting. Well, the, the established treatments then, I certainly think of bisphosphonates right away. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And the uh, the two bisphosphonates uh, that have been around, Fosamax and Actinel, two most widely used uh, oral bisphosphonates, have been uh, tested in men and are approved for use in men with osteoporosis. And they're effective. Uh, they're the increase in bone mass, the percent increase uh, with treatment is very similar to what has been observed in the many trials in postmenopausal women. And my Beneva rep will uh, try to get me to believe a, a bisphosphonate is a bisphosphonate is a bisphosphonate. Is that, uh, can we make that leap? Well, I think we should encourage them to do the uh, trials to be certain that their preparation works as well. I mean, I would agree that the likelihood is pretty high that Beneva would also work on a male skeleton. Uh, it would be interesting to see the numbers. Myocalcin, uh, calcitonin, does that have any role? It's certainly a second-line choice. It's a much weaker anti-resorbing agent, and like weak agents in general, has a much more variable effect. It may reduce the fractures and improve bone mass in some people and not in others. The analgesic effect associated with myocalcin, is that a, a real thing, and, and would it apply to men? Well, I used to uh, be very interested in that, but we have such good uh, pain management people now that uh, reliably can control the pain of, say, vertebral fractures or pelvic fractures now that I've gone that route. So really a more marginalized role for calcitonin products at this point? Uh, I believe so. Uh, what about Forteo, her thyroid hormone? The Forteo can be used in uh, steroid-induced osteoporosis in men and women. And it's also been used in trials in men uh, with uh, with osteoporosis, non-steroid related. So there's no question that the male skeleton will respond to Forteo just as a female skeleton. And is my understanding that the Forteo really is the best bone density builder? Is, is that true? I think if the osteoporosis is primarily spinal, if the bone loss has been primarily uh, along the vertebrae, uh, then Forteo would be uh, very effective, just uh, every bit as effective as the oral bisphosphonates, uh, perhaps a little more so one might uh, suggest, but when it comes to preventing hip fractures, we don't have hip fracture reduction data on Forteo as opposed to Fosamax and Actinel where there are specific trials to prevent hip fractures in using those agents. I want to thank Dr. Murray Favis who has been our guest as we've been discussing the evaluation of osteopenia and osteoporosis in men. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>